It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. All right, this week on Living the Bream, we have got a guest who's going to talk about the hottest story of the week and maybe for days to come. He's a guy who knows his stuff. Mike Davis, former chief counsel for nominations to the Senate Judiciary Committee. That was under Chuck Grassley. He's the founder and president of Article 3 Project. Um, He has been involved with a lot of things as far as Supreme Court confirmations and nominations and shepherding those things. He's clerked for Justice Gorsuch. Um, He's done it all. And so he's going to have good insights for us as we discuss um, a bombshell of a week involving the Supreme Court. Mike, welcome back to Live in the Brain. Thank you for having me back on, Shannon. Okay, so your initial reaction to the leaking of a full draft opinion to the media. Yeah, I was a law clerk to Justice Gorsuch, and I served as the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee with the portfolio of oversight of the federal judiciary. I have never heard of a an opinion, a draft opinion leaking out of the Supreme Court before it was issued like this. This is unprecedented. It is uh, it is shameful. It is likely illegal what happened. It's uh, if someone did this with the intent of trying to influence a vote or change a vote on a pending case, it is almost certainly obstruction of justice. It's definitely misuse and maybe theft of government property. So there are a lot of uh, legal issues that are involved with this. But it, more importantly, Shannon, as you know, as someone who has covered the Supreme Court for a long time, like you have, the, the nine justices of the Supreme Court operate like a family. Mm-hmm. And you have to operate like a family in order to get anything done. You have to constantly collaborate behind the scenes with discretion and secrecy so you can get the work done. And if you if you shatter trust like that, like this, whoever the league this is trying to do, it destroys the ability of the Supreme Court to function. So this is a this is much bigger than one case, even a big case like Dobbs that that could potentially overturn Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. This is about the very functioning and legitimacy of the Supreme Court. So let's talk about what the universe of people would be like who would have access to this. I mean, the chief justice in his uh, statement in which the court acknowledges this is a legitimate draft, who knows what iterations it's been or if any votes have changed since February. And that draft was entitled, quote, the opinion of the court. So at that point, it had at least five votes. Um, But the chief talked about the fact that um, this is a one-off. I mean, that he has... um, the court has personnel that works there, the clerks, the justices, obviously, um, that are about protecting the institution of the court. Uh, but clearly, at least one person didn't. Who, how logistically could this have possibly happened? Well, let's talk about how these uh, opinions get circulated, these draft opinions get circulated. It is done through an intranet system, meaning it's not even attached to the internet or the outside world. So this had to have come from within the Supreme Court. And each justice, there are nine justices. Each justice has four law clerks. There are also retired justices. And I think three of the retired justices have one law clerk each. So four for the for the active nine and then one for the retired. So there are 39 
I think there are like 39 or 38 law clerks in the building and the retired share their law clerks with an act of justice. So you have 39 law, 38, 39 law clerks. Also, each one of the justices has two or three administrative aides. So we're not talking a very big universe of people who would have access to these draft opinions. We're talking the nine Supreme Court justices, less than uh, 40 law clerks in the whole building, and then you know less than uh, less than 27 administrative aides in the whole building. So it's a small universe of people, you know, less than 80 people who would have access to this. So in in the, as we discussed, you know, n- n- this this has never happened, right? This mm-hmm. has not happened, but. It has been a highly unusual year of leaks yes, on the Supreme Court. It has. Yeah, you and I have, have discussed many of these things. The premature leak of Justice Breyer's retirement announcement, the whole mask gate thing when there was misinformation out there about um, the chief or Justice Sotomayor begging other justices to wear masks and Justice Gorsuch refusing and there being a spat there. I mean, it's been super weird this term. Um, but to the point about who would have had access to this, and making this decision to leak this, the person would have to know if they were caught, their legal career is over, whether they're support staff, whether they're a clerk. I mean, what kind of calculation do you think this person has made? Yeah, I mean, it's, I just cannot imagine that it would be a Supreme Court justice who did this. I mean, they, that, that would just be unthinkable. They have to work with each other the rest of their lives. That would destroy their careers. It would destroy their lives. And so it just, it's not, it's not even, it's not even thinkable that it's a Supreme Court justice. So therefore it would have to be either a law clerk or one of these other staff members. Uh, And I guess technically it could be an IT person. They can get to the bottom of that. But man, if, if you're a, if you're a law clerk, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. People are dying. This I hope uh, you know, I help Justice Gorsuch with his screening committee. They they get thousands and thousands of applicants for, oh, for yeah. law students, lawyers, even experienced lawyers who want to serve as a law clerk uh, to this on the Supreme Court of the United States. You have this golden ticket once you get there. You have this uh, credential for the rest of your life, and if you're willing to blow that up, even for a what you think is a monumental case, I mean, it's just very very short sighted that you're willing to blow up your own legal career, you're going to get fired if you're caught, you're going to get disbarred if you're caught, and you're probably going to get prosecuted if you're caught. So you're willing to throw everything away for one for one case, even a big case. It's just a, a, a head scratcher to me. Well, what do you make of, I think it was a professor at Yale, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you know this story, I've had a couple of people send it to me, the comments where he said, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a clerk because in his estimation, uh, there are people graduating who are very much um, activists and feel like if this is their change to or their chance to impact history in a way that they think is a positive, that sort of the ends justifies the means and that they are um, very driven by that idea. I mean, what do you make of that assessment? Well, we, it's just changed. Uh, you know, if 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 you have activists who think that they have to put their ideology above their legal ethics, their legal duties, their uh, it, it's it's a head scratcher to me. I will say that what has happened here by leaking this opinion to the ex- let's go with the hypothesis that this was a left wing law clerk who leaked this because this person is trying to change a justice's vote on Dobbs, on overturning Roe versus Wade and Casey before the, the court issues the opinion in June. Um, let's say that that was your in, intent going into this, and that was your intent leaking this. And even if you are 
delusional enough to think that you know that that's that's for the the, the public good that you're going to leak this this uh, opinion and try to change a vote. Um, it's going to have the opposite effect because now that this opinion's out there. The justices, if they change their vote now, it looks like they are cowing to political pressure, which is the last thing that you want to do as a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. So what about the theory that has, you know, a couple of people come to me about, Okay, what if this leak came from on the right? What if uh, the five were together on that opinion that Alito was writing and maybe somebody was being pulled away and there was a fear that the majority opinion was going to turn into something else. It was going to be watered down from what Alito and the five, at least five people, since it was entitled the opinion of the court, um, had wanted and that this was pressure actually from the right, not the left. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly deflection. I mean, everything that I'm seeing online from the left wing Twitterverse is that they're cheering on this leaker mm-hmm. and they're very happy that this leaker did this and they're praising this leaker. If it came from right, it would see, it would be such overkill. It'd be like a, I, I, it's like a nuclear bomber blowing up a tank. It's just such overkill for what you're trying to accomplish. And it, it just, it's, it's so disproportionate. It, it's such a disproportionately bad thing to do for what you're trying to accomplish. I just, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. Okay, so where do we go from here? I know that you are among those who believe the court has to get this opinion out. I mean, the justice, chief justice in his statement said, this is not going to alter the way that we work at the court at all. Some, you know, we're trying to parse that. Does that mean like, okay, we still wait till the end of June for this thing? Does it mean um, he hurries them up and says, drop everything else you're doing? Let's get the dissents and concurrences done. Clean up the majority and let's get this thing out the door. I think that the court has to get this opinion out as quickly as possible. And I think they need to do this for a couple of reasons. Number one, these justices are in personal danger now because you have a lot of deranged people out there who think that they can take the law into their own hands and change the outcome of this case based upon their knowledge of the vote lineup right now. And that is a very dangerous place for these justices to be. They have security. I'm not going to talk about their security. I dealt with their security when I was on the Supreme Court as a law clerk. I dealt with their security when I was the chief counsel for nominations where I had oversight over the federal judiciary. But they need to get you have people who are willing to risk everything to change the outcome of this case. And I think we need to get this case out there very fast for that reason. The second reason is, is that we need to the court needs to punch back very strongly and make it very clear that we are going to protect judicial independence here. And you're not going to be able to change the outcome of cases through one of the worst acts, which is internal sabotage of the judicial process. You're not going to have some internal zealots try to change the outcome uh, of, of a case. Remember, you're not going to, there are parties involved with these cases. Sometimes we forget that there are due process rights involved with these parties in these cases. And people win or lose a lot in these cases. And it's not just, you know, precedent and how it affects everyone else. There are people, there are real stakes involved in this case. And they need to get out this case as quickly as possible. What does your educated guess, your gut tell you about how closely the final opinion will mirror what we saw in this draft? Is that five vote um, groups say together, do they not only uphold Mississippi, but uh, the state law there, but decide to get rid of Roe and Casey? I mean, it's a guessing game at this point, but what do you think? 
I would say that based upon two data points, there are at least five votes to overturn Roe versus Wade. Number one is just listening to oral arguments in this case mm-hmm. several months ago where you heard where the five justices were. It sounds like there were five jo- votes to overturn Roe versus Wade. And the chief justice, it sounded like an oral argument, was willing to both uphold the law and uphold Roe versus Wade. Um, if you look at this opinion, this draft opinion that was authenticated by the, the White House, or excuse me, the Supreme Court press office, uh, it's an authentic opinion. It's it's a majority opinion. So there, that means at least at conference, there were five votes to overturn Roe versus Wade. And uh, th- that this uh, opinion was assigned to Justice Alito to write that. So there's that. I mean, that those are two data points that are indisputable. Live in the Bream continues in a moment. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So explain for folks how it, it is decided that who's going to write what. So, yeah, what happens is there are briefs that are submitted to the Supreme Court. Uh, there are briefs uh, to, to see whether the, the court's going to either uh, even accept the case. The, the Supreme Court has discretionary review, generally, meaning they don't have to hear cases. In the federal system, you start out at the district court level. Uh, you have a trial. Then you go to the Court of Appeals. There are regional courts of appeals around the country. And that's generally the last stop for more than 99 percent of federal cases. The Supreme Court takes less than 100 cases every year on discretionary review. They don't have to take your case generally. And if they decide to take your case, uh, you also then you submit briefs to the court arguing your case on the merits. You go in for oral arguments and your attorneys argue for your side. The opposing party's attorneys argue for their side. There are amicus uh, uh, briefs that come in. Uh, the, the United States, the United States government oftentimes will weigh in amicus means that they're friends of the court. They're just trying to, they, they may have an interest in the outcome of the case, or they're just trying to be useful to the courts and uh, in, in getting to the right result, because this is uh, such high stakes with the highest court in the land. After oral arguments, they go to what's called a conference. And it's a private secret conference where the nine justices and only the nine justices sit around a conference room and they discuss the cases. They talk about how they're going to vote on the cases. And then based upon how the votes line up, whoever has the majority, the most senior justice in the majority assigns the opinion. That justice can assign the opinion to themselves or that justice can assign that opinion to whoever else that justice wants to assign it to. So for example, if, Let's say that it's uh, five votes where it's uh, uh, the Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Barrett, and the Chief Justice is undecided, then uh, then Justice Clarence Thomas as the senior associate justice in the majority would assign the opinion. And if that, if that were the case here, he would have assigned it to, to Justice Alito. And Justice Alito, Justice Alito drafts a draft, they circulate it to all nine justices, and then that's where the back and forth happens. And that's where they deliberate and fix any mistakes. Maybe they even change their minds. Uh, And that's the important process of making sure that they get the the law right, that they get the facts right, and they put out nearly perfect opinions. They have nine sets of eyes on these draft opinions, and, and, and also they have their law clerk's eyes on these. So it's they usually produce very good work products. Um, unfortunately, 
with what we just saw. One of these drafts leaked out a draft majority opinion. It looks like it was the first draft back in February. And it's uh, it really, really, as we discuss, Shannon, it really, really, really shatters confidence and trust and makes it more difficult for the Supreme Court to do their job. So let me ask you this. If that, if, you know, Justice Alito uh, was writing what was called the um, majority opinion or the opinion of the court at that time in February, would he then send it around to the others? If you've got four of the votes, five of the votes, whatever it is, would he send it to the folks who had voted with him first to say like, all right, take a look before I send this around, or does it just go to everybody at once? You, you can do it either way. You could do it. Either. The, the tradition is, is you circulate your drafts to everyone at the same time. You can have, mm-hmm. you can certainly have side conversations if you'd like. Um, but generally you circulate the drafts to everyone. Do you think the court will change the way uh, it handles these documents moving forward? No, and they shouldn't. This is, this is a one-off situation where this is in, in the, you know, how many hundreds of years the Supreme Court has been, been in existence, this is the first time that a draft opinion has leaked like this. I think what you have to remember is the, the, the law clerks who come into that building, uh, besides me, of course, are the smartest young <laughs> lawyers at the best law schools in America. These mm-hmm. are the truly the cream of the crop. We're talking top of their class at Harvard and Yale and Stanford and the University of Chicago. These are the best of the best and they have the highest ethics. Mm-hmm. And this is a this is a one-off. This is an anomaly. This is I mean it's horrific what happened and they will absolutely get to the bottom of this. They will so they, let's, talk, let's talk about what will happen. We have the marshal of the Supreme Court, as you know, Shannon, is the head of law enforcement and order in the Supreme Court. The mm-hmm. marshal uh, is in charge of the Supreme Court police. So the, the chief of the Supreme Court police reports to the marshal. There are nearly 190 police officers on the Supreme Court police force. They will get involved on this. If the marshal uh, needs to have other people involved, they can bring, they can, she can, this, this marshal could deputize federal law enforcement officers to come in and assist. For example, the U.S. Marshal Service has traditionally worked very closely with the federal judiciary uh, for more than a century. They could bring in the U.S. Marshals Service to, uh, to deputize them to work with uh, the Marshal of the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court Police. They can, they can uh, sit down and interview every single one of these uh, law clerks and other employees. They can, they can subpoena records. Uh, they can do polygraphs if they need to. They can get to the bottom of this. And I would caution, I, I, do, I think it would be a very big mistake. You're hearing calls right now for the FBI to come and investigate this. I think that would be a very big mistake. You should not let the political branches come into the Supreme Court and, and look into this internal investigation without the permission and willingness of the Supreme Court. They need to be able to handle their own matter here. And they, they have, they're fully equipped to do it. What you don't want to do is set a precedent where the political branches, whether it's the Senate Judiciary Committee or the House Judiciary Committee, or the Biden White House, the Biden Justice Department can swoop in on the Supreme Court because they'll come up with pretextual reasons to do it in the future. That will really undermine the integrity, the independence of the Supreme Court. Any idea, um, this is unprecedented, but any idea how long an investigation by the marshal could take? You know, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I think it would be pretty easy to uh, have a witness room and you bring every single employee in one by one and ask them uh, routine questions about this. And every, every employee, including all the law clerks, and you just sit them down 
their subject any 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 comments that they make to federal law enforcement officers is subject to 18 USC 1001 which is if you make a false statement mm-hmm. to federal investigators you are a, you are subject to felony charges in prison they may be able to make it where you can swear an oath so it's even more harsh where it's perjury um, and I think that they could probably do that. They can either do 1001 or make these sworn statements. Uh, they should do that. They should also, if they can't uh, figure out who the leaker is based upon that, then maybe they should start doing, then the next step is they can start doing subpoenas of records, phone records, emails, uh, and then they can also do the polygraphs. But they have to get to the bottom of this. I mean, they do. And there's part of me who thinks, all right, if the theory is correct, that it was a a clerk who felt um, I'm going to be a whistleblower. This is historic. I've got to do it. This is latch-ditch effort. That's sort of an activism kind of plot. If that's what it turns out to be, I actually have said this. I actually wouldn't be surprised if that person steps up and takes credit because I think they're going to want to say, I was the one and this is history and I'm the one who did it. Yeah, I mean, they, they may think that they're going to get a, a gig at MSNBC for being a uh, rogue uh, lunatic law clerk, who delusional law clerk who thought they were saving the republic. I agree with you to an extent, but I also I don't think whoever did this thought through what was going to happen, where they're they're going to get fired, they're going to get disbarred, and they're likely going to get charged under federal felonies for misuse, theft of federal property. And maybe obstruction of justice if 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 you can show that the, the, if you can show their specific intent for doing what they did, which is I think pretty obvious what they why they did it. So uh, they might get short term fame like Michael Avenatti, but then they may end up in prison for for a very long time. All right. Well, Mike, um, you are always a helpful, uh, interesting source on all things about SCOTUS and beyond. So thank you for your time and your return visit to Live in the Brain. Now we wait. Thank you for having me, Shannon. The world of business moves fast. Stay on top of it with the Fox Business Rundown every Monday and Friday. Listen to the Fox Business Rundown starting May 20th at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.